0: Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. What are groundhogs predicting? We also discuss frozen tuition fees, HMV making a comeback, it's time to declutter, Hamilton gets noshed, and an auto racing bombshell. Enjoy the Good Morning Hamilton podcast.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 900-
0: it's Groundhog Day, and several weather-predicting rodents are providing some fodder today as we welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, including Wyerton Willie, who just moments ago... No shadow, which means early spring. Early spring! Ah! Early spring!
1: Early that's spring. what we
0: got! Yeah. Always, always like that, Wyerton Willie. What do real-life meteorologists have to say on this day? Ross Hall is a meteorologist with Global News and joins us on GMH. Ross, good Friday morning. How are you?
2: Good morning, Rick. I'm great. Yeah, no two words get Canadians excited more than early spring, right? (laughs) Uh, Just a celebration. And, you know... I have to say, uh, i'm I, I do have a bit of an eye roll sometimes when it comes to those uh, rodent prognostigators. Mm-hmm. Um but hey, you know what? Uh, I think they actually may be onto to something in terms of uh, the conditions over the next couple of weeks at least.
0: Ooh, tell us more.
2: yeah, so you know, I, I don't think uh, it's it's a big secret around here that we haven't seen a whole lot of uh, sunshine for sure over this past month. In fact, we're going to be moving this weekend into one of the sunniest weekends we've seen, uh, likely since early December or November. So it's been quite some time. And temperatures are not going to be quite as mild as they have been this week. A little cooler, those overnights will be below freezing. But we've got to keep things in mind that uh, temperatures... Uh, the normal or average high is minus two. The normal average low is minus 10. We've been nowhere near that. Our overnight lows may be a little closer to that, but not even reaching that. So still mild and sunny for the next several days, likely up until Thursday of of this upcoming week. We're going to see some sunny breaks or at least some sunshine for the majority of those days. And uh, looking longer than that, it looks like we're going to be in this mild pattern with above average temperatures, not necessarily sunshine, uh, lasting up until at least the middle of February, if not longer than that.
0: There's one, uh, I was going to call it rodent, it's not even rodent, it's Lucy the lobster out in Nova Scotia who's, who's predicting an uh, an extended winter. Even so, the winter we've had, Ross, I mean, no one's complaining about it, unless you're an avid skier or you want to get out and skate on the pond. It's been a tremendous winter.
2: Yeah, it all depends on, on your perspective. You're right, Rick. I, I think people that enjoy those winter activities, they enjoy going cross-country skiing or, or skating. Uh, some rinks do have uh, built-in refrigeration systems. But still, some people love to have that backyard rink. It certainly hasn't been the winter for that. But for those who have to commute to work every day, uh, long commutes, and that uh, don't like the snow, don't need like shoveling it, uh it's been a very quiet we've had a bout of winter it really was in january we had a string of storms or some wet snow for the early mid part of that month uh, but besides that december was tremendously warm and uh, we ended january on a very warm note and we are looking at uh, february starting off warm now it's not to say that winter is entirely cancelled so Lucy the lobster, who I understand is pretty new on this, uh, sort of not necessarily a rodent, so I'm not quite sure how Lucy got into the mix there. Um, However, uh, there is likely going to be some bouts of cold once again. We're not completely done yet. I think there will be likely towards the end of February, perhaps early March, another period of of very cold conditions. And keep in mind, we really haven't experienced any cold. So a daytime high of minus nine uh, is going to feel extremely cold after all this mild weather we have. So uh, for those who enjoy, Joy winter, I don't think it's done yet, but I think in terms of the overall season, uh, it is going to remain pretty much uh, what we've seen uh, over these last couple of months. All right. We, We
0: have nothing to complain about, that is for sure. Ross, really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the weekend.
2: Great. You enjoy the sunshine. Have a great weekend.
0: Thank you very much. Ross Hall is a meteorologist with Global News. All right. Here is the roundup when it comes to groundhogs and, well, as we've come to see this year, other creatures, Wyarton Willie, the grand poobah here in Ontario, predicting an early spring. So too has Punxsutawney Phil down in Pennsylvania. Shubenacadie Sam in Nova Scotia, who, let's be honest, he didn't want to come out of his enclosure. Was so comfy. But officials there said he announced an early spring. Fred LaMormont in Quebec, early spring. Benny the Bass in Ohio, early spring. We've also just heard from Marshall and Floyd, the Port Stanley Alpacas. Early spring. They're also, by the way, doing a Super Bowl prediction coming up in five minutes. Producer Liz going to pass along the info on what the Alpacas are thinking when it comes to Chiefs and 49ers. The lone outlier was Lucy the Lobster out in Nova Scotia predicting six more weeks of winter. Lucy did not get the memo. From Weyrton and Punxsutawney and the rest of the bunch.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: I'll tell you who's not having a good time, those who are running Ontario's universities and colleges. You've heard stories that they are struggling financially, and that is certainly the case for many of them. And this isn't good news. Earlier this week, the Ford government, which cut tuition by 10% in 2019 and froze it there, said he doesn't want to change that.
3: I just don't believe this is the time
0: to go into these students' pockets, especially the ones that are really struggling and ask for a tuition increase. I mean, it's a good point, right? People are struggling out there, but so too are these institutions. Steve Orsini is the president and CEO of the Council of Ontario Universities and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Steve, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Rick. What kind of impact are universities and colleges having because of this tuition freeze?
3: Well, our... funding system is broken. Universities are actually at a breaking point. We have at least 10 universities in Ontario forecasting operating deficits. This year totally more than $175 million, growing more to uh, more than $273 million next year. So, the continuation of the freeze means that universities won't have the resources to support their students. It means less programming. It means Less coaching, career counseling, mental health, and even housing. Universities are funded at 57% of the national average. So we're looking for the province to bump up operating and to end the tuition freeze.
0: And so from the funding component, I understand that Ontario is near or in the bottom part when it comes to funding post-secondary education.
3: We are so below the national average that every other province is above it. So the government's own expert panel looked at the funding of the university sector and college sector, and they came up with a package of reforms. One is boost operating funding by 10%, because we're so far behind, and then end the freeze to tuition, but protect low and moderate income students. You can help the most vulnerable, by giving more uh, financial supports.
0: Added to this scenario is now a cap on international students. And we know that colleges in particular have really relied on international students in which their tuition fees are way higher than domestic students. So now you have this cap added to what is already a funding crisis. How is this going to change what schools are able to offer?
3: The funding the international student cap is going to exacerbate the difficult financial position universities are in. It's going to drive down less programming and not more supports that students need. You know, coming out of the pandemic, students' needs have never been greater. And what we're seeing are governments reducing the resources universities have to support their students. And the federal government applies a blunt cap that even impacts the good performers. We have universities that have maintained their international student enrollment. It, it hasn't been growing through the roof. They've been providing supports, housing, you know, wraparound services. And so the federal government has huge unintended consequences on the good performers, even though they're trying to go after the bad actors.
0: Uh, obviously, the tuitions were frozen, and this is going back to 2019, and, and cut by 10% and then frozen in 2019. And we went through the pandemic, and obviously there wasn't an appetite to, to touch those tuition fees. Are they more like I know they're both kind of, you know, whether, whether it's the tuition rates or the, the funding the schools, they're both kind of not where you want them to be. But is it, is it more likely in the years to come that the tuition freeze will end as opposed to the funding model being changed?
3: Well, we need both. The government appointed an expert panel. They reported last fall. And the expert panel came forward with a number of recommendations. And they said you have to, that the province would have to implement them in their entirety. Just to give you a sense of the magnitude. If the government were to implement all the recommendations in their expert panel report that came out in November, It would add $1.9 billion to universities over the next three years. They also recommended any tuition increase protect the low and moderate income students who need it most. We think the government has a plan before them that will ensure that universities have the resources to support our students. Universities the supply chain to our economy. They graduate the doctors and nurses that help our healthcare system. They they graduate the scientists, the engineers that help grow our economy, and they're doing the cutting edge research that's going to improve our prosperity and competitiveness. The panel noted the failure to act will be more costly to the province if they don't implement their re- recommendations.
0: We've seen some post-secondary institutions cut programming because they just can't afford to offer that, are we on the cusp of seeing a lot more of that?
3: Yes, we're seeing it right now. Every university in the province is facing increasing financial challenges. Not everyone's in the exact same spot. We have 10 universities forecasting operating deficits this year. But if you look at the trend line, if funding doesn't increase, if they don't end the tuition freeze, you're going to see more and more universities in difficult financial situations, and that's going to impact students.
0: Absolutely, it will. Steve, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Well, thank you. Steve Orsini is the president and CEO of the Council of Ontario Universities. It's it's really, a, it sounds like we're in a catch-22 because obviously the government doesn't want students to be impacted from a cost perspective, but that is certainly having a ripple effect on what universities and colleges are able to offer. If that revenue stream isn't coming in, especially capping the international students, um, there, there's there's some tough and choppy waters ahead for post-secondary schools.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: This is a very interesting story, and it's nothing new, but there's a new twist to it. And this involves Toys R Us. Because Toys R Us is adding HMV to its collection, bringing back this iconic brand that disappeared from the retail landscape. Here to talk about it is Bruce Winder, retail analyst, author of Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19. Bruce, good morning. Welcome to the show.
4: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on.
0: This is uh, this is interesting. Why does Toys R Us want HMV taking up space in its stores?
4: Well, if you look sort of behind the scenes, um, it's quite interesting because uh, a gentleman named Doug Putman. Um, owns uh, Toys R Us, and HMV, and rooms and spaces. So he's become a bit of a uh, a retail sort of, uh, creating a little retail empire. But I think what he's trying to do is sort of cross-pollinate the brands to try to get some synergies in sales, um, to try to get as much productivity as possible in the Toys R Us stores.
0: What happened to HMV? Was it just killed by digital downloading? Yeah,
4: that's exactly it, Rick. I think it was just, you know, killed as the as the medium changed, right? From, you know, CDs to uh, to stream to digital, I should say. And you know what, it just went away. But he's got a really good knack for picking up companies and brands that have a pretty good, you know, brand equity, but maybe just are in the wrong place at the right time, and then he kind of resurrects them. So it'll be really interesting to see how this does within Toys R Us.
0: So is the plan for this version of HMV to continue to sell CDs and records and maybe cassettes? I know each of those have had kind of a you know a rebirth of late.
4: Yeah, I think I think they're focusing on the retro, you know, which is a lot of vinyl and things like that. Vinyl is pretty popular right now, and there's also a lot of other sort of paraphernalia, maybe T-shirts that go with it, and a little accessories and action figures so it's kind of it's kind of morphed into almost a bit of a toy toy store over the over the years maybe toys for for uh maybe older people uh, or music fans but it's quite interesting because it's sort of complementary right because you know toys and entertainment kind of go together you know you've got video games too so it all kind of it all kind of fits in now
0: It's an interesting relationship because we know that Toys R Us in the States went belly up, but here in Canada it was fine. And now they're adding this, uh, again, this iconic brand that itself um, met its demise a few years ago. Um, Do you think it's going to be a successful venture?
4: I think, I'm not really sure if it'll be successful. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that Toys R Us has some pretty large stores, probably more, probably too large. And because um, they were all built, you know, in the 1980s when they were much, much larger in the category. So, you know, he's probably looking at saying, OK, I've got some extra space. What can I do in that space to try to maximize my productivity? And how can I kickstart some of these brands? Um, you know, because it's a lot cheaper just to drop in an HMV in an existing Toys R Us than it is to go out and launch, you know, brand new. HMV stores everywhere, right? So it's uh, it's interesting just to see how this is going to work, but probably counting on the shopper too, because if you look at, you know, baby parents, a lot of them grew up, you know, with HMV, mm. right? So there could be some great affinity uh, from a nostalgia standpoint too. That's
0: very true. How is the toy category doing?
4: Toy category was down last year, about 8%, I believe. Um, not very good. Um, it had a massive growth year, Uh, Growth years, I should say, during the pandemic, because people were at home and they just bought a lot of toys. So the the category exploded during the pandemic, kind of fell back to earth last year a little bit, but it's not going anywhere. It's a big business. You know, there's always going to be toys. You know, some of that went to video games and online Video games and things, but still, it's it's a big category and lots of room for lots of players.
0: It's almost as if we're on the cusp of you know something gargantuan again, like Cabbage Patch Dolls, like Tickle Me Elmo. Is there something on the horizon that some company developing?
4: Yeah, there, there probably is. I'm not sure what it is. I mean, you know, I know um, uh, Spin Master, which is a Canadian toy company. They uh, they had, I think, a pretty hot toy last year, the year before. So every now and then, you know, something just gets super hot. Believe it or not, uh, without dating myself, uh, I was the toy buyer at Canadian Tire when Furby came out and when the Tamagotchi was out back in the late 90s. So, you know, things just kind of happen. They just get steam really quickly, but then it gets quiet and... You know, it's really hard to predict what's going to be super hot and what isn't.
0: Yeah, who didn't have a Furby back in the day? That was a hot seller. <laughs> Bruce Winder is a retail analyst and author of Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19. We're talking about Toys R Us adding HMV to its stores sometime soon. There was another recent collaboration I'm hoping you have an update on, and that is Zeller's. We know that Zeller's uh, yeah. ki- kiosks or, or, or uh, you know parts of the Bay are now uh, Zeller's. How is it doing?
4: Well, we don't really know for sure because they're a private company, but you know what? They've rolled it out. So for them, it it, it must be working, you know, it must be working. Um, But again, that's another example where you've got a company with a lot of probably dead space in their stores and they're trying different things to try to increase the productivity or bring people in. The assortment's quite nice. You know, they've done a nice job with the assortment and uh, their marketing's nice, too. Um, You know, so we'll see what happens. Will it become a standalone store? I don't know about that, but you never know. It could be interesting to watch.
0: Speaking of collaborations, we know that uh, the provincial government is sticking Service Ontario kiosks into Staples. Is that going to have a massive impact on Staples?
4: Uh, I think it's going to have a nice positive impact on Staples because they're going to bring people in. It's going to bring traffic in because probably that's one of the things Staples struggled with was getting enough footsteps in its doors, right? But this is definitely going to help them. So it's a big win for for them in terms of just getting some organic traffic
0: in the doors. I can imagine other retailers saying, "Hey, we'd love a service Ontario kiosk. We need more foot traffic in our uh, retail space." Bruce, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for your time this morning.
4: Yeah, anytime. Have a great
0: day. You too. Bruce Winder, retail analyst and author of Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19. It's a very interesting book. Pick it up wherever you get your books.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Speaking of spring, it's a good time to look around the house and think, what can I donate? How can I declutter my space? Do you feel like you have too much stuff You might be in this scenario. Well, never fear. The Salvation Army's clutter-free February campaign is here. Here to talk about it is Ted Trouton, the managing director of the Salvation Army Thrift Store. Ted, good morning. Welcome to Good Morning Hamilton. Hey, good morning, Rick. Glad to be here. Uh, There is a specific reason that this campaign is launched in February. Tell us about it.
5: Well, that February is the time in the winter time where you start to see donations drop. People aren't coming out as much, although it seems like there's all kinds of fish and groundhogs coming out in the of springs here. But uh, we, it's really a time where we start to see a drop in donations, usually around 15%. And then you kind of come into the spring and you want to be ramped up and ready to go. So we're coming out and saying, come on, it's clutter-free February. Get out, dig up your, you know, dig up your donations, go in the basement, go in the garage and uh, bring them out. And we'll be happy to, to receive them and give them a new home.
0: What are some of the reasons why donations do decline in February? Is it simply the weather?
5: Mostly it mostly is weather and people are kind of hunkering down inside and they put them away and say, I'll deal with that in the spring. But we want to get a jump on that. So this is the time to do it.
0: So how does the clutter free campaign work?
5: Well, it works out. You just, for us, it's really just giving you the opportunity to go through your house to think about what can I do to make uh, make get rid of those winter blaws and get through. We're in January, into February now. Get out and you know digging through your closets, cleaning up, refresh, restart, and uh, and get out there and bring your donations down to our stores. We've got three stores in Hamilton, um, right downtown on King Street, on Upper James, up in the mountain, and in Stony Creek. We're there to serve you.
0: And this is a win win because there are studies that have identified that when you declutter you you get a a, um, a feeling of you know accomplishment you know you're, you you have more space literally in your home it can reduce stress and the other part of the equation is people who need stuff and can't afford said items they win as well
5: absolutely and what, what we're doing is providing um very you know, gently used items, clothing, household items to enter stores, to those people who are in need. And we know with the changes in uh, the economy, what things that are going on out there, people are looking for the best, uh, the best way to make their dollar go further. And coming to a Salvation Army thrift store is the place to go for not only great items and great fines, but you don't pay tax. If you make a donation, you get a 20% coupon to purchase in store. It's a win-win for everybody.
0: Ted Troughton is the managing director of the Salvation Army Thrift Store and joining us to talk about the Salvation Army's Clutter-Free February campaign. <laughs> With any sort of campaign like this, there are acceptable and unacceptable items. Maybe we'll go we'll focus on the unacceptable items. What are some of the things you do not want to see
5: donated? Uh, we're right we're not looking for furniture right now, big furniture pieces, things like that. People are looking really for clothing, house, housewares, household items. Beddings, linens, kitchen essentials. That's what people are looking for right now, for sure.
0: And so all of those things are acceptable, and you can visit your local thrift store to donate that, and it sounds like it's going to go to people who really need this stuff. Uh, congratulations on this campaign. Sounds like a winner.
5: Thanks so much, Rick. We really appreciate it. And working for, you know, when you donate to the Salvation Army, you donate to help people who are in, in desperate need, whether it's for food banks, shelters, modern slavery, human traffic prevention. We do tons of work. In the communities and especially the hamilton community where we just love the people there and and doing everything we can to support them
0: great stuff ted thanks for the time this morning good luck with us appreciate everything ted troughton is the managing director of the salvation army thrift store as i mentioned it's a win-win-win because you're you're clearing out stuff from your house that's a, that's always a good feeling and especially at this time of the year right spring is on the way You want to freshen up your space, and you've been looking at, you know, said items, or maybe it's a bunch of items in your basement or in that closet or in the garage, and you know that it can go to a good home and someone who really needs that kind of stuff that right now just can't afford it. And so that's one aspect of it, you know, feeling good, donating, giving to someone else. The other part of this, and studies have shown, as I refer to it, Having a clutter-free environment can reduce stress, uh, enhance focus, create a more harmonious living space. The whole feng shui comes into the equation, and I, I, it's just a good feeling. It's almost like you know when you clean the house on a week-to-week basis. You just you know the smell. You know you've done something good, and all well, the dust is gone. And so I encourage you to check out the Salvation Army's Clutter-Free February campaign. It's a very interesting idea. You're listening to
1: the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Nosh has launched in Hamilton. What the heck is Nosh? Well, we're going to find out from our next guest, Michael Morini, Marketing Coordinator with Economic Development, City of Hamilton, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Michael, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. What the heck is Nosh? <laughs> it's a month-long celebration of
6: Hamilton's culinary scene. So before the pandemic, we used to have this event uh, just for a week during National Small Business Week in October every year. And uh, unfortunately, we know the, uh, the effects the pandemic has had on our culinary industries. And so in speaking with our uh, BIAs, our business improvement areas across the city in the summer of 2023, it was their suggestion that we move nosh week not to from october to uh to february because a lot of our restaurants and uh, and, uh, bars and uh, independent operators really could use uh, the economic support in the month of february after the uh, holiday rush so here's where we are and and it was also their suggestion i give them credit make it a month long why just a week Mm -hmm. so the month of february is Nosh
0: It is a great time of the year to do so, because as you mentioned, yes, there are restaurants that are struggling, and we know that they're struggling to hire employees because of the nature of the gig, but also struggling to get people in the door because, well, times are, are tough economically, so this is a great time to do it.
6: Yeah, and, and the nice thing about it is, because it's over a month, it's, it's not like you have to try to exhaust yourself and support as much as you can within a one-week span uh, we're trying to uh, entice Hamiltonians to get out there across the entire month. And, you know, to your point, Rick, uh, we do understand and we can certainly appreciate that uh, uh, budgets are, are tightened for a lot of people out there right now. So um, you don't have to go out every single meal to a restaurant. But, you know, where you can help, maybe it's a, an independent coffee shop uh, to a full-on uh, three-course meal at a, a fine-eating establishment. So it's, there's there's a varied... Selection. There's over 100 participating restaurants, and I'm sure that will grow. After uh, some of these restaurant tours here, this interview, uh, if they go to investinhamilton.ca/nosh. There's a form right at the bottom that they can uh, contact myself for for more information and, and get signed up.
0: You mentioned the word enticing, and you also mentioned the website. And I was on the website earlier this morning, and that word explodes off the screen with some of the photos of the food that these amazing restaurants in our community provide to customers. And my mouth, uh, like, honest to God, my mouth was watering looking at the photos of these food items. And I will be sure to visit some, if not many, of the ones on the list. And some, and this is kind of cool, too. Some I've never heard of before, which is amazing.
6: Yeah, and when you look at the list, you'll, you'll see uh, maybe some restaurants you've never heard of. And maybe you can try, uh, and the audience can try over the course of the month. I also am uh, very heartened by the fact that you look at the selection and its diversity in terms of, of the choices there, whether it's ethnic uh, diversity um, or um, geographic diversity. So, if from Winona to Waterdown, there are a bevy of selections, and you can pretty much taste the world uh, when, you, when you look at the, the choices out there. So, Hamilton is very fortunate uh, that we have so many. Entrepreneurs that are bringing a taste of their home country, in many cases, to Hamilton. I think that's that speaks very well to the uh, the welcoming nature of this community.
0: Talking about Nosh Hamilton 2024 with Michael Morini, marketing coordinator with the City of Hamilton. You can get all the details online at investinhamilton.ca/nosh. There is uh, a contest component to this as well, and this makes sense because. When a lot of people, and I've been there too, go to a restaurant and they really get a dish that explodes in their mind and and in their mouth eventually, but they want to take a picture of it and they want to share it on social media and, while they can do so and win some prizes.
6: Absolutely. So each BIA um, is having their own contest of how they have gift cards and how they're going to uh, distribute those. They have different contest rules. So all of the information is on our website but we also encourage people who may not be interested in, in uh, joining the contest just to use the hashtag uh, #Nosh2024. Uh, what the city is doing this year is we're exclusively on Instagram for uh, for our posts and for our information. So if you're not if you're not following, uh, we encourage you to follow Hamilton Ecdev. That's Hamilton E C D E V. Uh, for the latest, uh, but also on the site, there's links to the other Instagram accounts from our, our BIA. So you have uh, a number of ways to to win this month, which is great. And and I thank the BIAS for and their uh, their um, their businesses for their generosity.
0: Are we? I'm, I'm not sure if you have hard and fast data, or maybe even anecdotal data of whether or not people are indeed shopping local, or more people doing so.
6: Yeah, we don't have that um, that retail data. Uh, at our fingertips readily, but uh, I can tell you there's over 1,300 businesses in our uh, business improvement areas across the city. So it's a huge economic driver, and what we saw very clearly through the pandemic was that small business means big business for Hamilton and for a lot of cities across the world. So if you're not having that that level of entrepreneurship, if you're not having uh, small business growth, it's really a detriment to your economy. So that's what we're trying to encourage. And if you go to the website, not only will you find out the information about what NOSH is and where you can support local restaurants, but at the bottom of the page, there's also supports there that if you are interested in becoming a restaurateur, um, if you have even a pop-up shop, there's money available from the city for that idea. And if you are um, someone who is looking to um, bring your product to market, As a retail operation, there's a a program through our Hamilton Business Center that can assist you with that as well. So not only is it about supporting, but if you are that that entrepreneurial uh, diamond in the rough, there's uh, there's help available and you can just go to the bottom of the website and we can help get you started.
0: Our website again, investinhamilton.ca. And if you want to find out more about uh, NOSH Hamilton, investinhamilton.ca slash NOSH and use the hashtag NOSH2024 to spread the news as well. Mike, thanks for the time today. Enjoy your weekend.
6: Thank you very much. I'm off to the, actually the French tonight. So it's my wife's birthday. So happy birthday.
0: Well, Happy birthday. Awesome. Have a good one. Thank you very much. Michael Marini, marketing coordinator in the Hamilton Economic Development Department with the city of Hamilton. And, uh, yeah, check out the website. You, if you want to get an instant rumbling in your tumbly, invest slash in nosh. will get you there for sure. You're
1: listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Shocking announcement in the racing world yesterday. Seven-time Formula One champion Lewis Hamilton, one of the greatest drivers in the history of the sport, announced that he's leaving Mercedes following the 2024 F1 season to join Ferrari. Like, wow. Eric Thomas is the longtime host of Raceline Radio and Canadian Motorsport Hall of Famer and joins us on GMHET. Good morning. Good morning. What are we doing? I'm supposed to be retired, RZ. (laughs) <laughs> Less than a month after we talked to you about your I retirement, you're back up. But this, I mean, this came out of left field, and Lewis yeah. is going to be 40 next year. Why now? Why is he doing you this? Know, yeah, and with you mentioning how
7: old he is, it's got a lot to do with why he did this. And you could kind of see it happening. Technically, in terms of a move, well, you know, the Ferrari the last little while here hasn't necessarily been that much better than the Mercedes, and we know how badly. Lewis has struggled at Mercedes, hasn't won in two years, and the car you know, just did not cooperate with him after they changed the regulations. But here it is. He's 39 now. He'll be 40 next year. You don't know of too many drivers in their 40s that are still competitive. So he figures there's an escape clause in my contract. If I have a chance to drive for the most prestigious team on the Formula 1 grid, the most popular team in Formula 1 by far and has been for generations, Do I jump at it? I think the answer, if you and I were doing it and had the opportunity, we would jump at it as well. And I think that's basically the reason why Lewis has decided to do this. He has a chance to, yeah, he still needs that eighth championship to break the tie with Schumacher, who won a whole bunch of championships, five of them with Ferrari himself, to come in there and drive for those red cars and the trofosi, which is what the, the huge, worldwide, global, ferocious fan base that Ferrari has to join into that thing, drive those red cars, maybe get another championship, but to finish off your career driving for the biggest team on the grid, I think you jump at it, and that's the reason why Lewis did it.
0: Yeah, the, the allure of Ferrari is massive. It's, exactly. it's really you know, it's, a, good it's the, a good word. It's the Yankees or the Montreal Canadiens of the racing world, basically. But this is, yeah. because because Lewis is going to be racing for Mercedes this year, this won't happen until next year, it's going right. to be a little awkward, isn't it? Yes, it is, Yes, and
7: he's going to be peppered all year long. In other words, if they still haven't made that car a whole lot better and and they just could not get a car that Lewis could work with George Russell, his teammate was able to do more with it, but a driver needs a certain kind of a car and a certain uh, thing that it it needs to work with him and his style and what he wants. They weren't able to give him that for two years. So they're figuring, okay, you know, I I need to make this jump and and maybe get better. And you know, as well as I do, Rick, you've covered sports long enough to know that, you know, even in hockey or the stick and ball sports every once in a while, the chemistry just needs to change. A different outlook, a different way of doing things. Now, we also understand too that Ferrari necessarily hasn't been the best team in terms of coordinating what they do on the pit wall and what the drivers want. You hear Charles Leclerc arguing all the time with his team, and Lewis is going to be facing that. But as I say, that the prestige and the allure of driving for Ferrari—you know, this this is going to be weird because he's driving for Mercedes you know, you could use the term lame duck if you want to directly answer your question. It's going to be strange. And if he struggles again, which he just might, wow, well, you know what? They're going to say, well, it's a lame duck thing. He's not putting all his effort into it. He's going to have a tough time with the media this year than he normally has. Mm-hmm. And he's normally pretty good with the media. But if he falters and he's not going to be terrific again, and I don't know whether he'll ever get that back again in the dominant form, but if he struggles he's going to be he's going to have a tough time with the media saying, "Well, is he a lame duck driver you know he's he's obviously just saving it all so you, you know all the stuff that's going to happen, so it's going to be awkward exactly yeah. for him, but you know, he'll, he'll come through it. He's been there before. But uh, it's, it's going to be a rough year if he struggles, and he just might.
0: Eric Thomas is the longtime host of Raceline Radio and the Canadian Motorsport Hall of Famer. Joining us to talk about Lewis Hamilton, the seven-time Formula One champion, moving from Mercedes next year, not this season, but next season to right. Ferrari. How much of this move, and I know Ferrari's been after Lewis for years, but how yeah. much of this move is to push Charles Leclerc to that next level?
7: Yeah, you know, that's a very good question. Yeah, because he wasn't getting that from Carlos Sainz. As a matter of fact, there was a lot of talk this past season about you know Carlos being fired by that team. But yeah, this you often find that Formula One teams will do that if they have a driver that they're counting on. There, you know, Leclerc is easy, a great talent, and they want to push him a little bit to bring in a veteran driver, especially one with Lewis's credentials and all the championships that he's won, you know, one with McLaren and then six more with Mercedes to bring a guy like Lewis in that may be able to help him. They thought that Vettel might do the same thing, but it didn't quite work out that way. But they're thinking that Lewis will probably do that. So the idea of bringing in a veteran, successful driver who may be a good mentor, a good teacher, this could really help and no doubt that was behind um, Vassir, the guy who runs the team. That was behind his thinking in bringing Lewis in and luring him over to that squad is to help Leclerc out, because Leclerc is going to keep on driving for those 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 guys long after Lewis retires.
0: we got a minute. Who is the odds-on favorite to fill that seat at Mercedes?
7: Oh, uh, well, you know, there's uh, there, there's there been a number of names kicked around to, to team with George Russell. Uh, there's a couple of guys. They've got an F3 that you probably, I could say their name, but you're probably not going to know who that they are unless you you follow that very, very stringently. They're going to bring in some young kid, probably, uh, uh, that they have a lot of hope for and a lot of promise in there. I don't think they're going to go with another veteran driver that we know on the grid, Rick. I think they're going to go with some guy in their development system and bring him in there to work with Russell. Although, having said that, what I just said in the last answer almost sounds like a contradiction. Would they bring a veteran driver in to help George? Because remember, he's only a youngster. He's only a kid, too. So, uh, wow, jump ball on that one because I think they're going to go with somebody in their development system, but they may bring a veteran. Who that is, I don't know. Do they bring Alonzo over? I don't know. He seems to be the suitcase guy and <laughs> drives for just about every other team on the grid. So uh, yeah, well, I think they're going to bring in somebody from their their uh, their development side.
0: Yeah, I agree with you about that. If anything, it's going to make this F one season season all the more interesting. And Eric, I appreciate your time and breaking down the uh, all the question marks and all the questions that uh, sports fans have. Thanks for the time today.
7: Well, you know how much I, I consider Chml to be so such a good uh, friend because you supported the program for the 31 years it was on the air. And anytime you want some more input on this thing, we'll still be following it, even though we're retired. And pleasure to jump on with you anytime, Razi. You got it.
0: Thanks, Et. Okay, Eric Thomas, longtime host of Raceline Radio and a Canadian Motorsport Hall of Famer He knows a thing or two about racing
1: Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com
0: The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and wherever you get your favorite podcast I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast it's free so you never miss an episode and make sure you rate and review